A reading from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 5, beginning at the first verse. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have, pe we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For the word of the Lord, thanks be to God. Let us pray. May my words make sense because they come from you. I pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, this morning I've sent, set myself a very simple goal. By the end of this message, you'd never have to question the doctrine of the Trinity again. Simple, hey? The creeds of the church have been around for centuries and they make this Trinity stuff super clear. And none does it better than my favourite, the Athanasian Creed. We worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither confounding the persons nor dividing the substance, for there is one person of the Father, another of the Son, and another of the Holy Ghost, but the Godhead of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost is all one, and glory equal, the majesty co-eternal. Such as the Father is, such is the Son, and such is the Holy Ghost. The Father uncreate, the Son uncreate, the Holy Ghost uncreate. The Father incomprehensible, the Son incomprehensible, the Holy Ghost incomprehensible, the Father eternal, the Son eternal, and the Holy Ghost eternal. And yet there are not three eternals, but one eternal. And also there are not three incomprehensibles, nor three uncreated, but one uncreated and one incomprehensible. Crystal clear, right? The whole thing's incomprehensible. Renowned Anglican theologian Alistair McGrath, who's actually written a book called Understanding the Trinity, has said that the Trinity is irrational. So is my goal in vain? In approaching the Trinity, I think there are three paths we can take, which is kind of Trinitarian, isn't it? Path number one, we can dismiss it out of hand because we don't get it it's not rational and so there's no point in bothering path number two is that we can acknowledge that it's complex and incomprehensible and rest in that complexity or path three we can keep it simple so that everyone and anyone can understand you may have heard imagery used in the past to explain the Trinity. You might have um, seen or heard people try and use St. Patrick's famous three-leaf clover analogy or the water, ice and steam um, imagery or the idea that one person can have two shadows as an idea or beautiful patterns like uh, this Celtic pattern for the Trinity. 
But this morning, I'm going to use an original Im image. I'm going to use curry. Not Steph Curry, who had an awesome game yesterday for the Golden State Warriors, beating my Celtics, but curry that you might eat at an Indian or a Thai restaurant. Trust me. There's actually real danger in following path number one. Because while you might be able to push to the side the idea of the Trinity and just get on with being a Christian and just trying to live in a blissful ignorance that the Trinity is actually a big concept, you can quickly descend into unbelief. I decided when I was younger that I did not like curry. In fact, I didn't like spicy food at all. And so I dismissed it out of hand. Until on our honeymoon, we went to Thailand and I braced myself to give spicy food a proper go. And what I realised was that I actually loved curry and spicy food. What I didn't love was the curry and the spicy food my mother made when I was growing up. My mum uh, live streams these services. I've already apologised at the 7.30. I'll apologise again. But I can remember a particular chicken curry dish that I did not like at all, and I always struggled uh, to finish it. Now, my mum is a brilliant cook, but curries, not her finest culinary moments. I'd made a decision on curries based on one experience and discounted the multitude of, of varieties of curries. Now, I've discovered that I don't love all curries, but I've discovered that I love many curries. When we dismiss the Trinity out of hand, we miss out on so much of who God is. Sure, there might be some aspects that we don't understand right now and may never understand. But we will find something of God that takes us deeper, stretches us further, and challenges and inspires us. Path number two might, on one hand, seem like the cop-out path, kind of like the preacher who says on Trinity Sunday that it's all a mystery and then sits down. I'd really like to try that one year, actually. <laughs> to make a proper curry is complex. I've watched enough episodes of MasterChef to know that it's about preparing, combining, cooking off and balancing the spices in just the right way, allowing the flavour to develop and then adding the protein and allowing the protein to break down and take on the flavours of the spices and its own flavour emerges. When you eat it, you know that there's a lot going on, even if you're not sure what and how. Or maybe we could just take path number three. As much as I can wax poetic about cooking a proper curry, I've never actually made curry from scratch. 
I mean, who's got time for that? Like, not me. The best I've done is chop up some chicken, add some curry paste, coconut milk, some veggies, and simmer for a few minutes. It's not the same, is it? If you try and make something simple that is, in fact, complex, what happens is you diminish it. Every simple explanation of the Trinity that I've ever heard has left me underwhelmed. I was in Adelaide recently and I stumbled on this place at the end of the Rundle Mall. It had this amazing self-serve beer fridge where you could just walk up and have a look at the selection and pick your own beer and then take it back to your table. You had to pay for it at the end, but I thought it was pretty cool. But at this restaurant, there was a curry that I ordered that was the best that I'd ever tasted. What they did to make this curry so good, I can't imagine. The only thing I could do was overeat and be amazed. Choosing path number two doesn't seem like it's going to finish with me achieving my goal that by the end of this message, you'd never have to question the doctrine of the Trinity again, does it? But I do believe that path number two is the right path for us to explore. The doctrine of the Trinity is as many critics like to point out, a construct of the church. Trinity Sunday actually first came into being for the first time as the Roman Catholic Church introduced it in 1334. The doctrine of the Trinity is what happened when the church spent time reflecting on Scripture, spending time in worship and in prayer and attempting to make sense of who God is. And in doing so, bringing together the core ideas of God based on what God has done and is doing throughout human history. There are gaps. There is complexity. There are questions. And there is mystery. But I wonder why we feel such a compulsion to know everything about God, to be able to be completely and rationally able to construct a concise definition and explanation of God. St. Augustine of Hippo said, if you, can, if you can comprehend it, it isn't God. When we attempt to fully understand something, it's so that we, as humans, can master it. And in our pursuit of trying to put God in a box, we reveal our desire to master God. And when we're doing that, we're leaving no space for God to be our master. Martin Luther said, it's not we who deal with God, but God deals with us. The question that we are left with then is how do we respond to a God that we can't 
fully comprehend and who can't be easily explained. And this is where I'd like to bring you back to the goal of my sermon. By the end of this message, you'd never have a desire to question the doctrine of the Trinity again. To reach this point, I don't think it's just about blindly accepting that God is complex and leaving it at that. That's almost as bad as taking path number one. It's recognising that God is bigger than we are. And that doesn't make us want to fully understand. What it does make us want to do, what it should make us want to do, is worship. God is bigger than us. I can't work it out. I've got to worship. As I was sitting, finishing my meal in Adelaide, I didn't think to myself, well, that's the best curry I'll ever taste, so I better just eat Italian food from now on. It gave me a new appreciation of curry. If I'm in Adelaide again, I'm definitely going to go back to that restaurant and try something different on the menu. It's given me a perspective on Indian food that it's not just for takeaways and Uber Eats. And I'm much more likely to go to an Indian restaurant now. We don't worship a guy who was around 2,000 years ago who we wish was here with us now. We worship a God who is present with us now. That's what we believe. And the best way we can explain that is to use the word Trinity. But rather than getting caught up in the semantics of what the doctrine is, what it isn't, what it represents and what it doesn't, wouldn't it be better just to fully embrace the experience of Trinity? To fully embrace the experience of God's presence with us now. I said in my sermon two weeks ago, the oneness of God isn't an identical replication in each person of the Trinity. It's the Father layered over the Son, layered over the Holy Spirit, like a kaleidoscope to reveal the full magnificence of God. If we are open to being perfected in this oneness as Jesus prays for us, then it's about both a recognition and a willingness for the parts of my character, the things that I do and the way that I live in the world that reveal the things about God to be layered over the parts of your life and the things that you do, the way that you live in the world, that also reveal the things about God, which is layered over the things about the countless believers in God reflected in the way that they live in the world. Layered upon, layered upon, layered upon, layered, revealing this outstanding kaleidoscope, the full magnificence and character of God. But if you've ever used a kaleidoscope, you know that in a different light, it changes colour. With a different twist, the whole thing changes. 
knowing that there's more to discover in the kaleidoscope. Resting in the complexity of God isn't just going, oh well, I don't get it, so I'm just going to get on. It's seeking out something new. You can't define the colour or the pattern of a kaleidoscope. You just marvel at its intricacy. And so as we seek more of this beauty, we seek after different colours and patterns. I'd love to encourage you to look expectantly to experience God in places, situations and people that might surprise you. The God who is in unexpected places and times and ways is the God of this kaleidoscope, his trinity. And I think that's a much better way than trying to convince ourselves that we've got this whole God thing worked out. Yes, this approach isn't the easy two-sentence explanation that you can share with your non-Christian friend that convinces them that God is real. But I've got to tell you that living in a way where we aren't trying to explain away God, rather that we're actually immersed in the experience of God, living that way is going to draw way more people into a desire to seek after what we're experiencing. It's what Paul was encouraging the Roman church in the section of the letter to the Romans that we heard this morning, to experience all of God in the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and the God who is revealed in community in us, in the church, sort of strikes me that Paul's formula was pretty successful, wasn't it? The early church was just exploding with excitement and energy and it grew like wildfire. Maybe if we were a little bit less worried about doctrine and experienced more of God, then today's church might actually be a little bit more like the early church. So can I implore you to let go of your desire to explain away God. Let go of your frustration with the inadequacy, incompleteness and confusing nature of the doctrine of the Trinity. Rather, just worship. Just experience. Just seek out the layers of God in God as Father, God as Son, God as Holy Spirit. And look expectantly for those layers to be reflected in each other and even you. Seek the kaleidoscope. Wonder, marvel, worship, and then show and share the magnificence of God. Loving God, you are just so much more than we can comprehend. Help us just to sit in awe and wonder. Help us to marvel 
at the way you are revealed throughout human history as creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Father, Son, Spirit, all the different ways that we understand you as God. But help us not just to stay sitting in that awe and wonder, but to get up and to show and reflect that love, that magnificence in our lives that others too might worship. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.